0: Shannon's case broke up the monotony that we'd gotten ourselves into. And eventually, we got to thinking. Were there other detectives out there in need of two gumshoes? John pointed out, maybe we didn't even have to stay in our usual gin joints. Maybe someone on the other side of the fence could use a hand. A plan like that could turn out to be... Marvelous. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Matt. Uh, Oh, you
1: usually do Matthew. You threw me off. I just... uh, (laughs) honestly so <laughs> there you go this is the entire podcast right here to this be fair it. that's the first time that I've done
0: something weird and different in the intro in sequence, a lo- n- not
1: in a long t- you did like hey I'm hi I'm John and you're like and I'm not so John and that threw me the fuck off it was like, so, I, good. Like, it was so good it was so good and then we kept it we kept it in on that episode <laughs> um alright one more time now that you've sufficiently fucked me over
0: no leave it in <laughs> <laughs> that's content. Fine. That's Fine. not even that's Patreon. Con- yeah, no, that's yeah. in there. We're,
1: we're in now. Uh, so we're the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Good. You didn't fuck that up. That's good. Even like, with the doubling.
0: Been... Even with the doubling.
1: Yeah, that's impressive. Actually, you hear everything <laughs> twice. So we are here with a friend of ours, Coy, from Movie Fights, and all sorts. Movie of...
2: fights, Marvel movie news, all sorts, of internet
1: awesome awesome can you tell them a couple other places where they can find you so they can kind of just embrace all of your media
2: yeah uh you can find me on popcorn talk doing uh marvel movie news you can find me on screen junkies where i movie fight i tv fight i movie game i uh i do please explain this usually talk about marvel stuff um i also i'm just there a lot i have those panels there i love the screen junkies guys and uh I'm cooking up some other stuff that isn't confirmed yet, but when it is, I will let you guys know, and that'll be in another network entirely.
1: Perfect. That nice. sounds awesome. I hear you were also kind of the Spider-Man guy?
2: It's a problem. Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> and Deadpool are... are. See, the thing about Deadpool was, he was the weird little, like, token, deep-cut nerd Spider-Man up until, like, Ryan Reynolds, and now liking Deadpool is, like, going to Hot Topic. Like, right. there's this weird, like... there's This, this exactly what Hot I was saying. Guy. Oh, Yeah. It's like a super popularity. It's like when when Linkin Park started selling records instead of just being an awesome new metal band, like it just becomes a thing. So Spider-Man has become weirdly like the less cool Deadpool, which is ironic because it used to be the exact other way around. So those are my two faves and they're this weird like paradigm. Like they, they're the two sides of a similar coin um, in a movie fight, actually, I said you either die as Spider-Man or live longer long enough to see yourself become Deadpool, and that's yeah. kind of how I feel about where yeah. we're at. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly wow. it. Yeah. At what point? At some point, something has to happen with the wisecracking, and you go down one of two paths, and maybe just you, the you one.
2: eventually turn R-rated. Like, there's a there's a moment when, like power and responsibility goes away, and then like protecting your own ass becomes the, the norm. So it's fascinating those two characters having like this interesting pop culture surgeons. And, like, we're in the middle of this right now, so it's fascinating. Isn't that just the superior Spider-Man line? Well, superior Spider-Man is a a different connotation because he's got an arrogance to him that's founded in intelligence, whereas Deadpool's arrogance is founded in a lack of intelligence.
1: See, you're going to fit in really well on this podcast. (laughs) Like, that's all. Like, I just wanted to make sure that we were all going to mesh, and that's just perfect. So, we're, we're great. We're great now. So, obviously, please check out Koi. Send him Spider-Man stuff um, all the time. You and no, find... I'm not
2: saying for Deadpool fans. Deadpool's not not intelligent. He just doesn't pride himself on it. He prides right. himself in his wisecracks, whereas Doc Ock, that's kind of his only thing. So, I just right. want to, all the Deadpool fans out there, I'm not saying he's dumb. Oh no, no.
1: yeah you never did uh you have a twitter correct where people send you spider-man memes and things
2: oh yeah dude Uh, i'm at c-o-y-j-a-n-d-r-e-a-u and someone amazing actually made me a piece of fan art of me dressed as deadpool with a spider-man keychain on it with my cat (laughs) spidey cat is my cat's name in a backpack and it's like
1: good yes good it's the
2: ultimate me thing it's it's, so yeah thank you twitter fans
1: yeah so that's that's what we need gumshoes those are our fans, or gumshoes, because we're the DC detectives. We tried Detectiveites, and that didn't sound good. Uh, so we, we brought Koi <laughs> on the podcast today to kind of have a little bit of a cross brand discussion about all the Marvel and DC movies that are coming out. Because obviously we have Wonder Woman coming out, we have Justice League, and there's all those movies that are you know slotted to come out later. You've got Aquaman, Cyborg, Flash, and all that jazz and of course there's spider-man homecoming coming out soon uh deadpool 2 you've got guardians thor ragnarok so there's a lot of i mean we've been in the superhero movie bubble for years now however this is the biggest i think just blitz of them of like variety of characters team movies like that aren't avengers Mm -hmm. related that we're seeing Mm -hmm. in a while so I kind of wanted to talk about this. And, Koi, you don't have too much of a grounding in DC, that's right? That's correct. Okay, that's perfect. Let's just get your perspective on the DC film franchise or DC television franchises as you as you know them or as you see them as a Marvel fan.
2: So I have an interesting um, perspective on DC in that I see it as almost an alternate universe in the multiverse aspect of Zack snyder controls it and that is the universe as he sees it Mm. so it's almost that thing where like you know in the matrix how like neo can do anything because he's the one right like i don't see any folly in Zack snyder doing the things he does because it's his universe but that's not the characters i know right so it's this weird thing where i'm not as mad as dc fans or as marvel fans that have investments in dc because to me i'm like oh That's his thing. He makes the rules. Like when you make a movie, blood can be blue because you're making the movie. So like when Batman is that, I don't have as many stakes as a DC fan because I'm like, oh, this is Zack Snyder's Batman. Clap, clap, clap. So I get why people are angry. I get why people are upset. They're not personally my superhero type movies. Um, I generally prefer things to be a little more – I love Greek gods and the Greek myth, and that's what I consider DC. That's why I respect DC, but I'm an underdog guy. Uh, I just like characters that I like. I feel like I can run into on the street and then see them do crazy hijinks. If I ran into Superman on the street, it would break my nose. Um, <laughs> so it's just a different element. So I really enjoy the DC Universe, but it feels more separate than my reality. So I enjoy those films in a reverence versus an uh, experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I can definitely see that from a Marvel fan's perspective because there are a lot more everyman-type heroes. Uh, Spider-Man, the X-Men are a lot more relatable, even though they have like some of the most, um, like
0: grandiose powers. Um, I mean, Logan, yeah, like, Logan, Logan being a Western rather than a superhero movie. Right. I love. That. Logan yeah. is
2: so close to perfect. Like that movie is like, for me, that's like as best as I've seen it. And it amazing.
0: So tangent, uh, I walked out of Logan and pretty much immediately got a subscription to, uh, Marvel unlimited and just binged on all the Laura Ken- Kenny stuff. And it's like, in It kind of amazes me how well they captured the overall story arc and central questions of uh, Laura's identity in that movie, despite being such a a younger character, a a different ethnic background, and that actually sort of mattering. It was... God, Logan was so good. How cool
2: is that for you as a DC fan to come out of a a movie and be like, I now want to invest in Marvel Unlimited? So here's where we get to
0: the dirty little secrets thing. Uh, We wound up going with DC... As the thing that we sort of latched onto as the early awesomeness, John is 99% DC. Pretty much. I'm actually like 35% DC. So I grew up on... Spider-Man was what I first really got into, and then Ultimate Spider-Man. Claremont X-Men is my happy place. For me, DC is batman as the dark patriarch the bat family is my happy place in dc other than that it's like okay i'll find things but like marvel and marvel and batman are my happy places right
1: i just i learned how to read with marvel like i learned how to read with x-men comics and spider-man and then civil war happened and i so fully rejected the end of um <laughs> i i fully rejected cap surrendering at the end of civil war you mean the the two months delayed ending right where he was just like oops i hurt people arrest me and i'm like you just like fought the avengers for the to save people this is bullshit i like i couldn't anymore and i like didn't read comics for a while and then i got into flash and green lantern and like i got really into them because i started getting flash monthly and then the new 52 happened and i just like tripled down on everything dc like started buying everything pre pre new 52 i bought flashpoint like i got really deep into it and i just haven't come back out ever since because my sister was a huge nightwing fan so Mm -hmm. i kind of like would i would read everything around that and then i got more and more into everything and i i hate batman it's that's the big dirty secret from for me in this podcast that we try not to talk about. I hate Batman like a lot and it nothing to do with Bruce Wayne. I just hate what Batman is as a standby in the industry. And mm. I really like the idea of the character. I hate how he's executed. interesting and um. Like, that's kind of where we're coming from is that. So, sorry, I cut you off, but you were... you were. No, I was, just gonna, I was
2: actually going to say a Batman thing. I was going to say I always felt like that uh, Batman was a Marvel character in the DC Universe. And mm-hmm. that there are certain characters that... Like, Thor is a DC character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there are certain characters that lend themselves well to be the fish out of water. And I've always felt like Batman's success is that he's the example of the approachable character. And that's one thing I don't know how they're handling... How they will handle going forward with the films because they try to make him the jokester and that's not how he's approachable. Batman doesn't crack jokes. Um, but that's, again, that's the Zack Snyder thing where I'm like, that's his universe. However, he wants to shape it. I'm curious how they handle Wonder Woman. Cause that's not him, how they go forward after all this wave. And like they're, they're obviously, you know, they started a little later, so they've got a lot more ground to cover and I don't blame them for that. But everyone wants there to be a uh, 10 years advanced. Marvel's had a head start. It's not fair to look at that the same way, but the average consumer is not going to go like, well, Iron Man came out. No, wait, let's give them some time to catch up. That's not fair to DC. Um, right. I just don't know when it's going to feel like everything's in control and not like they're just like, look at us go.
1: Right. I think that's going to happen now that Jeff Johns is the primary creative on a lot of the DC films and media. Um, Jeff Johns is widely considered to be one of the better writers under DC, and he jeff johns is also responsible for a lot of the the reboots the rewrites of a lot of characters that have changed them like he did green lantern rebirth that changed the entire green lantern mythos and made everybody like uh he got rid of the yellow weakness um Mm -hmm. and made it something that was within the central power battery on oa so that it was like it's a thing that once we get rid of it like the yellow weakness is only if you're a rookie like you haven't faced your greatest your greatest fear yet, and then once you do, like you get over it and you can be an effective Green Lantern. Like there's lots of different uh, things that Jeff Johns has done. Like he he made people like Aquaman. Like he was he <laughs> helmed the <laughs> Aquaman yeah comic during the New Fifty Two. So it's
0: and that was still Aquaman in orange in the old costume. Yeah. It's not even like badass Atlantean like yeah. we're seeing in the Jason Momoa
1: now. Aquaman. It was like I look like I came out of the Super Friends cartoon and I'm kicking the shit out of people and I'm like that is awesome. Like, I'm
2: down what do you guys it. think of Momoa Aquaman as, as DC fans?
1: I, I, mean, I'm, I'm down for it. I mean, like I, I always liked Aquaman. Like I'm, I'm kind of a secret Aquaman fan because I like nothing it. secret about it. That's true. I was wearing an Aquaman shirt yesterday. <laughs> um, Aquaman to me is one of the really interesting characters of DC purely because there's two ways to write him, and each of them are completely valid. They're just different timeline versions of Aquaman there is Aquaman that is I don't want any of this I just want to live a normal life and I like helping people which is kind of what I'm getting the sense of Jason Momoa Aquaman where he's just sick of being like he's already had some experience with Atlanteans and is trying to avoid the responsibility that is likely to be his at one point point. and then there is King Arthur Curry which is the right. you know the guy who runs three-fourths of the planet is tired of everyone's shit and is forced to work with the justice league because this allows him to have some tangential control over what would affect the his kingdom so that makes him like namor
2: right a lot like namor uh and that's always been interesting how they've been able and i give them credit have been able to write him so he doesn't feel like namor because namor is very specific and very much a douche uh and he's a fun douche he's like you know he's your douche yeah um Mm But the what's interesting about the Aquaman they're they're going with is I never I never saw him as like not like a trucker, but like that that very like rugged uh, in a in a very man's man vibe. He's a long uh, so I'm fisherman. really curious how they translate <laughs> between these Aquamans and then obviously Momoa's Momoa-ness. Yeah. Um like you're like, hey, you're dressed like a bat. I like it. Like I would never if I read that in a comic, I wouldn't be like, Aquaman says yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm intrigued how they find that a middle ground, because that, the way I, I qualify dialogue in comic films is if I can picture a speech bubble coming out of the mouth of one of my <laughs> favorite artists drawing it. Yeah. And there is yeah. no version of me that goes... Aquaman. Yep, there he <laughs> goes. Good old Aquaman.
1: And that's and that's funny because good old boy
0: Aquaman. Yeah,
1: good old boy Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. I I'm so down for it. Like I'm really down for that because that to me is the first version of Aquaman, where like he's got the suit and everything, but he's like really not interested in doing any of what this is. Like, because yeah. uh, there's an animated film, uh, Throne of Atlantis, which is kind of about Aquaman, like coming into being Aquaman, and. He's talking like in the very beginning sequence. He's talking to a lobster that's in a tank in a seafood restaurant. Like he's he's like hammered, and he's like talking to the lobster, going like, "Man, you get it. Like you understand. You know. You know what it's like." And I'm like, I love that. I love like
2: that's what I want. I'm that's if they capture that, I'm in. Like I want, I want like this Aquaman looks like he listens to Yellow Wolf, and I'm yeah. cool with that. <laughs> like I just want to know more about that Aquaman.
1: Yeah, and this is this to me is just the. The man's man, Aquaman, that when he becomes king, he's less douche Namor, but he is just like, do you want to go? Let's go. I will throw down right now. Like, he's, right. he, he's the king that you don't want to go into a fight because he's like, no, I will fight you. Like, you do not. Like, I will push that button. <laughs> like, Richard I, the Lionheart? Yeah, he's he's Richard the Lionheart. He'll start a crusade just because he feels like it. You know, and that's that's what I like about Aquaman is that he's one of the characters that is severely underrated because people don't. One, they don't know a lot about him, because he's not... He's There's been a lot of misconceptions and a lot of poor versions of Aquaman that, mm-hmm. you know, granted, like, no one's ever really been able to nail down, but I feel like the first issue that Jeff Johns wrote of him in the New 52 was hilarious, where it's literally just him getting shit on, and he's just, like, letting it wash over him and not affect him. And I thought that was a that really interesting cool. way of that. The first issue is he stops a robbery on land in front of cops, like, these... these like robbers are driving away in a car and he like pancakes the car with his trident and like stops at mid-drive and the and the criminals like fly out the, the front windshield and the cops like literally say did we just get shown up by aquaman
2: <laughs>
1: and he says nothing about it like one of the criminals shoots him point blank and the bullet like glances off his forehead because that's the thing is that aquaman has a lot of powers that mm. nobody really knows about if he can swim at the largest depths of the ocean his body has to have the strength to withstand all that pressure not only that he has to be strong enough to swim at that pressure so he's actually pretty fast pretty strong and people don't actually really give him credit they just think he's a guy who can swim and breathe underwater but he's actually like really like jacked when it comes to like being a superhero give me
2: that movie give me that movie well that's actually the movie they're giving me like that's the good thing about the snyderverse is everyone's a bro
1: right And so, and it's like, great, because he like, does that, and then in full Aquaman, orange and green, goes into a seafood restaurant and orders a fish and chips, and someone behind him is like, you can't do that, and he goes, why not? He's like, you talk to fish, and he's like, fish don't talk.
2: (laughs) And the guy like, kind of just
1: stares at him for a second, and he's like, but you, he's like, I mentally suggest that they should help me, because fish can't speak. And then like- He's the anti-Gabby. Yeah, he's just like- Wow. Bro, shut up and leave me alone, I'm trying to eat my food you know and the guy next to him no, is what like else
2: would he eat? i mean it's not like we talk to cows but we definitely convince them to do yeah. stuff that's per that is good writing man yeah. that's
1: exciting he lives in he lives in maine for crying out loud like it's he's gonna eat seafood like it's gonna be impossible for him not to and the guy next to the the guy who's like you can't eat fish goes like hey i run a blog can i ask you questions and he's like i guess and the guy starts like asking him questions about like being aquaman and he's like answering kind of like sure i guess or like yeah that's no that's not right and then the last question the guy gives him is how does it feel to be nobody's favorite superhero and he just deadpan stares at the guy and then turns around the waitress brings him a fish and chips and it's this like pregnant waitress and he just stands up, puts two gold doubloons on the table, and the lady's like, what am I supposed to do with these? And he's like, put your kids through college, and just, like, leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, that is the coolest Aquaman in the fucking world.
2: See, that's what great exposition, what great use of a character. That is, that, If they can do half of that, if Jeff Johns can write that in the movies, man.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, in... I'm, I'm all for it with the direction that Aquaman's been taking. And they show him, like going home and Mara's there and like his wife who is straight Atlantean and like knows that he's the king is like what are you doing here like why are we doing this why aren't we home like and he's just like I don't want that life I don't want to be king and she's like but these people hate you like they make fun of you they should be bowing to you you're a king and he's like doesn't matter I'm not doing it so that they'll like me I'm doing it because this is what I'm supposed to do it's the only thing I can think to do with these powers and that's what I'm doing. And Mara's like, okay, I guess. I mean, like, I'm your wife, so I'm not going to, like, try and sway you to do something that you don't want to do. But, like, you have to remember you're a king and you're avoiding going home and your throne. And I like that juxtaposition of him going to the surface world and getting shit on by everybody and then coming home yeah. to a wife who is like, let's just go. You own a kingdom, you own three fourths of this planet. Let's just go home.
2: Well, you just sold a diehard Marvelite on Aquaman, so yeah. whatever oh, whatever feather that gets in your hat, man, you just got it. I It's not a feather, it's a
1: shell, because it's Aquaman. I, mean,
2: that's,
0: that's, <laughs> that's, 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 I was going to say, I think that sharing. goes on your resume.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> selling people on Aquaman, you're welcome.
2: Yeah, no easy feat, so no. yeah. Color actually, me intrigued, man. And that's that's
0: actually the first, first issue management job. That's about perfect.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's the first issue though of of like an entire Aquaman. And I was like, this is the greatest tone setter I've mm-hmm. ever seen. So I'm down for Jason Momoa Aquaman if it's like new fifty two Jeff John's Aquaman.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's already better than what I would have imagined that they'd go with that choice. So that's that's I'm just worried as a as a Marvel fan that they um Marvel took their time. The only thing anyone can agree on negatively with Marvel is that when they try to shoehorn too much speed and Easter eggs and ground laying, that's when they fall, right? Like right. Iron Man right. 2 and Avengers Age of Ultron, like the times that they're trying too hard is when they, they struggle. And I feel like that's what DC gets a lot of crap for as well is, is when they try to set up too much. And that was, I think, BBS's folly. Like they, they, they didn't need 18 villains. They didn't need to set up all this stuff. Wonder Woman looks like it's it's independent. It looks like it's separate from the rest, and that's why I think it'll be strong. Do you feel like Justice League was too quick? Like, that they got there too... Because, like, you know, we took six years to get from Iron Man to Avengers, and there was, like, five movies, you know? We had time.
0: The thing I keep going back to is it felt like Avengers was coming at a time when there was a lot of positive buzz, where people mm-hmm. were actually jazzed and ready for it right now you're coming off of uh, you're coming off of BVS and you're coming off of Suicide Squad and there was a good movie in Suicide Squad that wanted to be born but it did not happen so I think you're going into this big thing that people can get excited about but they aren't yet right now there's yeah. a big ol' asterisk and if people go into the if people go into a theater with a giant asterisk just blinking in their brain I don't think they're gonna i mean honestly like original avengers i liked it It wasn't an amazing movie it was just spectacularly fun and if i go in not sure if i'm going to have fun into a movie that's going to be grandiose and snyderish i don't know that i'm there that being said money like oh, yeah. they, no, that's, they need I mean, something that they, the they need to do something with that, uh, film franchise. And the next obvious thing is let's do big. And then maybe we can something, but yeah, it's guardians narratively. Managed it's
2: us to a team that didn't have all the setup films. Guardians managed to just throw us into the, and then the scope of guardians is arguably as big as justice league. Like that was a space opera. Yeah. So if they can manage to, to redeem, the many uh, uh, unraveled ropes that were left out in BVS, like all those untied laces and tie it all together with something that feels like guardians where you're like, Oh, this team deserves to be together. Look how fun this team is. Look at all this. Then I think that's the soft reboot DC deserves, but I just don't know if they have the um, trust in the audience yet. Yeah. And that's my only concern. Yeah, I think
1: you're right. Absolutely. I don't, they needed to do at least two or three more movies before this. They needed to do because one, they needed to have Wonder Woman come out, right, and then they needed to have Aquaman come out because no one gives a shit about Aquaman, and the problem and until
2: you do every time he's on screen he's gonna be he's gonna have to be proving himself to us, right? Like, and We don't want thing. to feel like we're being pandered to,
1: right? So you needed to have Wonder Woman and Aquaman come out before this movie because then you have Batman you're familiar with, you have Wonder Woman. And you have Aquaman. That is the reverse Trinity. They're already starting out down Superman, so you need Aquaman to be the fun Superman because he's got powers, he's an authority figure, but he's also dad-like.
2: And next to Batman, he's definitely the power figure, which is an right.
1: interesting. Interesting approach. Right, because otherwise Wonder Woman and Flash are the strongest characters, and huh.
2: totally true.
1: So you've already so you're missing a Trinity. And you need to have that, those three, in there to at least carry the team. And the problem is also that their team is too small. It's Aquaman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Cyborg. Now, I have no problem with Cyborg. I like Cyborg. Cyborg's been on the Justice League since the New 52 reboot, and I think that's a perfect idea because they needed a tech dude. And right. Cyborg fits it because he's, one... A tech dude. Right, exactly. He, he, he's, <laughs> he does machines. Um... He's also a very interesting dichotomy of a, of a teen-ish, college-ish character who is a, primarily a physical being. He's a football player, he's an athlete, he is a man of, you know, the physical realm. And then to turn someone like that into a tech thing by making him cyborg... It's a very interesting dichotomy that I'm gonna be interested in watching because that's always a thing that I've liked about Cyborg as a character, is it's essentially a, a guy who lost his limbs and now has to work with these, you know, prosthetics. Yeah. And that's a and like that's there's a good story in there. So cyborg does not bother me being in that movie. Flash, I love Flash. Not sure how I feel about them doing funny Flash first, because Barry isn't funny. Barry's good natured. No, I mean, make a yeah.
2: Polly West if you're going to go funny flash. Yeah, and it's right yeah. there.
1: Totally, totally fine. Like Barry is good natured. Barry is the great. He's he's like uh, Uncle Jesse. You know, he's but like a nerd instead of like smooth and a ladies man. He's always there for you. He's going to be cool. He talks to you. He likes you. He's very interested in what you're doing and he's professional. Like the version that they have of Barry Allen in Justice League War, which is an animated movie that they came out with that was about kind of how the Justice League got formed in the new 52 universe is perfect. Like him and him and Green Lantern are supposed to be the comedy duo because Green Lantern is supposed to be weird and funny. And Barry Allen's supposed to be the straight man to him.
2: Ah, that's a very different dynamic than the Flash that, you know, most people know, the Wally West Flash. Right, it's
1: they're the brave and the bold. You know, Mm -hmm. Hal is the don't think about it, just do it, and the funny, smooth-talking, wisecracking ladies' man. And Barry is the, all right, bring it down, he's the bold one. He does the crazy, he does the, the things that everybody doesn't think that they should do, but he's also the smartest next to Batman he's the smartest member of the team because he's a criminal yeah he's a he's a criminal scientist he's a chemist he's a physicist he's a really smart guy and I I don't like when they mix Barry and Wally because those are two different that's people the
2: like, that's the Spider-Man problem like right. a lot of times you mix different Spider-Man different generations of Spider-Man or different types of Spider-Man and then it comes across like the you know Mark Webb movies the writing like Mark Webb could have made the best Spider-Man movie of all time if it was a Spider-Man Gwen Stacy story mm mm-hmm. But that never got to happen, and and I, I feel like DC has that issue where there's the popular character, and then there's the character they want to write, and then they try mm. to put them together, and that's not real life. Like, so. Jekyll and Hyde are not one person. That's the point. Right. Like, the reason DC – like, I love – I'm I'm a kid. From, I was born in 88, so the 90s was when I – when I touched DC was mid-90s. Uh, Kyle Rayner is so much fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Kyle a yeah. lot. Like, that's a good, but he's, like, the most 90s character. But Kyle's a very fun character. But imagine trying to, like, incorporate Hal Jordan shit into him. That would be, like... He'd have, like, Tourette's. Yeah. Like, that'd be such a weird schizophrenic character. And The Flash doesn't... The Flash hasn't had a big enough exposure to the regular audience to confuse them yet. And they are. Like, Ezra Miller had a mustache for a second for some reason. And then, yeah. he, then he came... Like, why did he look like a different person in BVS?
1: Yeah, it was... Yeah. there's a lot going on and i mean i don't have a problem with ezra miller but they're so very much doing right actor wrong look with a lot of these things and that bothers the shit out of me
2: him looking like a hobo with a mask on and then looking like ezra miller like when the, the second appearance of him i'm great with the fact that the first appearance looked completely different is my only problem so the so the problem i had with bbs is that they tried to do three
1: different comics in the same movie
2: yeah the flashpoint dream sequence man where he had a dream within a dream how is the even the psychological ramifications of that is any of that real what is time travel are you asleep can you dream in a dream what's going on
1: yeah and it was just there's so much happening and I'm like can you not like can you just pick one and like go with it like there's they could have made a good um, Death and Return of Superman movie that's easy to do It's easy to do Death and Return of Superman unfortunately you shouldn't have done that they should have done Death and Return of Superman after the second Superman movie and then every Superman... It's trilogy, man. That's right. the arc. And then every Superman appearance is in a Justice League movie. Because then you, you let Henry Cavill rest and you make him do mm-hmm. little side appearances in other people's movies where they're like, I need to talk to somebody. Let me talk to Superman. And he shows up. And best. then you
2: don't have the Superman problem. Right. The Superman problem being that, oh, there's a problem. Superman.
1: Right. Like, yeah.
2: you, you can't have Superman in every movie because you have no problems. Right. And if you make Superman's
1: entire character in the film's parental, and paternal, you get to love Superman for being an emotional character as Mm -hmm. opposed to just being Superman. You get to learn, like, if they visited him on the farm, and you Mm -hmm. saw Superman just, like, hanging out with, like, his mother, and, like, you know, the Flash is like, I'm really concerned because I, like, I feel like I can't save everybody at every moment, and, like, Superman is just, like, picking up bales of hay while he's talking to him, and just, like, you know, I used to have the same problem, and what I ended up just figuring out was that we're only human. And it's it's doubly funny because he's Kryptonian and he's Superman and he's just like, you can't do everything at once. Trust me, I've tried.
2: You literally give me Alex Ross's Superman and I am am there with, here's $15. Like, here's my movie ticket. I want to see that Superman. But, like, they've messed up Superman so many times now. We'll never get a streamlined Superman because everyone's doing the thing that – the biggest problem with franchises is when you try to fix the mistakes of your last movie instead of making a next movie. Like, right. that's what Marvel has done wrong occasionally. That's what DC... I, I Honestly, that's the only thing I'll actively speak ill of is when they try to solve a problem with another movie. Don't look back, look forward. Right. Uh, and, and I feel like there's been Superman Return... There's been, like, five Supermans in our lifetime. Everyone's going to have Christopher Reeves' forever. Everyone's going to have Lois and Clark. Our problem is we also have Smallville. We then mm-hmm. had Brandon Routh. And now we've got Henry Cavill. And all of them try to go, like, but this one's the one that counts. You're right. And it's like... No, let us have a new one. Don't talk about them. Shh, they're not real.
1: Right. Like, I I, I honestly really love Henry Cavill. Like, I think he's got the right look. I think he has the presence down. He has the speech pattern of Superman. He sounds like he's talking to kids whenever he's talking to anybody. That's what you have Superman as. Treat him like the Hulk with Captain America's relatability. And you have perfect Superman. And he's just Mm -hmm. the nicest guy in the world who everyone loves to have dinner with. But the second you pull the Superman card... The fight goes up like three notches, mm-hmm. and that's at pretty- least yeah, and that's fine, and that's totally cool. And if you run it like that, then everybody doesn't have a problem with Superman, and you have three movies with Superman, so you get all the Superman shit. You have him do, you know, the like Man of Steel. There, there were problems in Man of Steel, but the problems in Man of Steel were not as bad as BVS. Like,
2: I man. I like Man of Steel. Like I, I kind of I do too. Like, will say it's a good movie.
1: Yeah, there's there's moments in it that are genuinely good.
2: Like Zack Snyder's visuals lend themselves so well to DC. Like that scope mm. is so important. Yeah. I just there's something in the DC universe that hasn't found itself yet. Like it just needs to find a thing, and then once it does, man, I I will probably start buying DC comics. Like I want I want the Jeff Johns Aquaman you just described. Right. I want that. I just haven't gotten it yet.
1: Right, and it's. The thing I think is going to to really be the test is Wonder Woman. And the the way I I saw Wonder Woman being good is how much color there is in Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because Snyder's movies all have this similar palette regardless of the happy, sad, and action moments. Wonder Woman had paradise island and then the battleground and then there was like something in like weird like mid-afternoon light so there was orange and i was like i'm seeing greens and blues and oranges and blacks and reds and browns and that's what i want to see is a variety and like a visual style and i think that's also kind of what's missing in those movies is they have the same visual style and i think wonder woman has life to it and if you do the movie like captain america and you treat her like xena warrior princess the movie will be fine and I would like it. I think
2: Marvel is right, man. I think Marvel, they don't look at their movies as one thing. They look at their timeline as one thing. They look out 10 years ahead but Guardians is a space opera. Ant-Man's a heist film. Uh, Avengers 2 is a destruction film. Uh, Captain America is an espionage thriller. They all exist in the same universe, but each of them is a very different tone and is thematically different and visually different. And that's why you never get bored of it and you never feel like you've already seen it before and you don't compare it to the last one. And that's why the Fast and the Furious movies work. Like the, each of those Fast and the Furious movies mm-hmm. is a different thing entirely. Yep. Fast and the Furious 1, remake of Point Break. Mm fast and furious 2 90s action film in the wrong timeline tokyo drift a fish out of water story uh fast and furious 4 is a noir from the 30s fast and furious 5 is an oceans heist film fast and furious 6 is an acceleration into superherodom fast and furious 7 is a full-on superhero film and the fate of the furious is an actual apocalyptic thriller like those are different genres
0: yeah and they uh, don't
2: have that see it
0: yeah they really don't uh One thing that's been interesting to me, uh, traditionally I've always thought of DC as the solo superheroes and Marvel being about uh, team-ups. You've got Fantastic Four, you've got uh, the X-Men, you've got the Avengers. It felt like Marvel was more of a team group uh, setup, whereas DC was Superman, Batman and then occasionally you had the uh, you had the JLA and it feels to me like modern Marvel comics at least are not as much about the teams or there's much more of a willingness to have solo stuff like I really enjoyed uh, the 2012 Hawkeye the modern uh, uh, Spider-Woman series Like it feels like a lot of Marvel is now happening in the solo stuff and not necessarily as much weight in the, uh, uh, the team-up comics, at least for like the comics that everyone says, oh, you got to read this. And I'm curious if that's been, sir, your impression as well.
2: So first of all, I'm super glad you mentioned Spider-Woman because that is the best book I've read in years. That Spider-Woman run is so good and underrated, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I art, think what's interesting... the art is so great. Like Her as a mom. Also, if you're not reading Star-Lord, that's another great solo book. I never thought Star-Lord would be good by himself. It's only six issues, but it's Star-Lord working in the bar with no name and old what? man Logan's in yes It's incredible, dude. Who's <laughs> writing that? Uh, You know, I'm not sure off the top of my uh, head, but it's one of those where the art and the, it, I didn't know the writer, didn't know the artist, but both of them I'm now going to read everything they've done. That good. Uh, do
0: you know when uh, so, when that series started? Is it all? Uh, on, it's only on uh, issue six,
2: and I think it just wrapped up, so only six yeah. months ago.
0: Okay, so probably not on Marvel Unlimited yet, but I will definitely take a look
2: at that. Huh. Yeah, it's incredible, man. Uh, so the team, the team concept. Uh, I feel like in the '90s, uh, which is probably your exposure. I- I'm imagining when you reference, like, when you were reading, would have been early '90s. Um, Oddly enough, not quite. When,
0: uh, what, what's your exposure? So Spider-Man wise, like I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man, and that was certainly like late '90s, early 2000s, but. Like, my happy place is Claremont X-Men. Like, do you remember those <laughs> essential X-Men volumes or just the chunks of black and white? Yeah, yeah the only we... cost-effective way to read comics until they came out with ebooks.
2: So, I would say um, the the timeline for that would be they basically made those books back then because they were doing crossovers, so you'd have to have a team-up and it would almost feel like an annual.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, it would intentionally be, so like, this era, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good pull. This is my
2: baby. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally going through my comics right now, like resorting. So I've got yeah, these, these are these are some out. very uh,
1: classic looking comics that he's pulling out and showing us.
2: Uh, this is a these. first edition for printing of Uncanny One Thirty Six. That's a nine point six. <sighs> my baby. Um, so basically, I think the thing back then was that they they could only rationalize um, annuals and crossover books when they had a big enough problem that the team would have to form. So you'd have mm. your um age of apocalypse you'd have your onslaught you'd have all these things that would cause these team to formed. but there back then there was just a lot more books if you think about it the timeline you're talking about claremont x-men there was uncanny x-men there was x-men there was x-force there was x-factor there was x-men like there was just so many more books so i think there was just as many individual but the books if you weren't diving in that deep you'd get the big team books as your main exposure point so it's more about when you aren't reading everything you see the things that people are talking about like right now i'm reading about 60 books a month and i'd oh. say like yeah dude my brain is i'm hard to that's why i mentioning star lord i was like whatever <laughs> um it, it's uh probably like 40 individual books and 20 team books but the team books generally are the ones that are going to put their big creative teams on they're going to be the ones that have the big events come out of them that's why spider woman doesn't get mentioned that's why uh the wasp book which is great doesn't get mentioned why star lord like These books are literally what comics should be because they almost feel like indie runs in a mainstream Mm -hmm. continuity. But they're not letting their big teams on them. They're letting the new people, which is good. They're letting teams that need to prove their worth and to get exposure and all that stuff on these books. But if you're not reading everything, why would you ever hear about it? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that Marvel is more team-based. I think Marvel's press is just more team-based. So when you think about these big events, you're going to be exposed to that stuff. I think that uh, the independent books are actually stronger in Marvel uh, when they let the characters be individual. I like Spider-Man when he's handling his Spider-Man stuff more than I like Spider-Man and the Avengers. I like Logan, like the movie Logan, more than I like him on the Avengers. Um, so I think it's just literally uh, marketing, because you, you want to sell five books or sell one book.
0: And I do like, I do fully agree with you that the having the new people on the smaller almost indie runs uh, does lead to interesting – like, more of an indie feel, yeah. Uh, definitely and, Hawkeye 2012. Just how weird of an art style is that? Like, him as noir and also totally mundane. Like, I yeah. could never see that being, like, a banner-waving uh, or run.
2: Dude, also check out Hulk. Uh, it is literally a perse- – she Hulk's the lead, uh, but it's called Hulk. And it's literally a procedural book about lawyers that she doesn't even hulk out until issue five. The art's incredible. It's an indie writer, and it's so much fun and crazy. Like, all the female-led books right now, I feel like they're, like, trying to make sure that we know that these female characters are not sidekicks. So they're putting on some of the best, funniest writers, some of the most original writers. The artists are, like, not artists that I know of, but they're literally giving the best of the rising talent, these quietly good female li- driven books and in 10 years all we're going to be talking about is these books. These girl driven books are everything right now and it's not the team books, it's not the Avengers, it's the wasp, it's She-Hulk, it's all of this stuff. So in 10 years I think we'll be talking a very different tune about the early 2000s.
0: So there's a big old essay that came out recently about uh Marvel sales that I found really interesting and one of the things that I kept keep coming back to is the direct market and having to pre-order like three months ahead of time for it to actually impact like the decision of how much to order uh whether the series continues and i i certainly couldn't pitch uh just the plot summary of uh the spider woman series and be like okay this is the order a bunch of these this is going to be your big hit like whereas with an avengers style title it's a lot easier to sell that in advance
2: I'm rereading 2010's Bendis run of Avengers with John Major Jr. art because those are two of my favorite creatives of all time. uh, And I haven't touched that run since 2010. So going back seven years later, in the first six-issue arc, Kang is involved. A a dystopian future Hulk is involved. Time travel's involved. You've got all your major team players. You've got a team of 20-some X-Men and you've got one of the biggest artists, literally 20-some X-Men, and one of the biggest artists of the 2010s. And that book sold like hotcakes because of that Mm -hmm. it's not fair to even put that in books that are like that should be four dollars that's fine but you shouldn't be charging four dollars for a hulk book that is an unknown creative team trying to make their name it's not fair to the consumer it's not fair to the team and then these books get canceled and we never spider woman's over now and i'm pissed man that book was so good there's no reason for that. It's it's bad marketing. The three-month process is way outdated. Mm. A lot of people buy digital. There's no reason to let your artist be shortchanged like that. It's a losing system. If you want to get people to turn away from comics, you keep doing these fucking number ones every six months. God, like, yeah. I, I collect comics. How do I recategorize my 19th number one? Fuck that.
0: Even for the things that are designed to be, like, binged and uh, gone through like that, like Marvel Unlimited, I was trying to figure out how to get some of the crossovers. I'm still trying to figure out how to get all the way through in sequence
2: of age of apocalypse. There's nothing. It doesn't order it well for that. You shouldn't have to Google how to read a book. Yep. Yep. Like the three of us are not in any way novices when it comes to comics. The three of us should not have any trouble describing to someone that literally is like, Hey, how do I read this? The fact that we're looking up how to read a book and how to guide ourselves through a timeline means they did something wrong on an editorial level. They did something wrong on a scheduling level, and that's unacceptable if that's your one job. Right. Um, and I think that both houses have that problem because they've got too many people, like, pointing at the finger in each direction. Like, the DC does it. Marvel does it. There's a lot, of, a lot of cooks, you know, and it's nobody's fault, but it's a thing that needs to be fixed.
1: Right. And that's the thing, too, is, like, DC had that problem when they did the New 52, and they started what I refer to as the Great Culling. It was really weird, because, like, you had books like Hawkman, which I was into. I was reading Hawkman, like, I want more of this, because the art style was almost pastel abstract. And I was like, this is really different than any of the other, you know, art styles of the books, and it was a different kind of Hawkman, because it didn't seem like he knew he was an alien, so I was like, is this, you know, Golden Age Hawkman now in New 52, where he, you know, the reincarnation storyline? Because he didn't know much about his armor. And, like, it was doing things in the middle of the fights that he was, like, unfamiliar with. I'm like, okay, so he doesn't know everything. Maybe he doesn't know he's an alien. Maybe he doesn't know who he is. And then, like, they canceled the book. And I never saw any Hawkman stuff ever again. I still don't know if Hawkman's in the regular continuity now of Rebirth. I don't know where Hawkman is. Like, I can't, like, I haven't seen anything about that
0: if a character has a speaking role in justice league unlimited it should not be hard to figure out what their status is
1: i was just so weirded out i'm just sitting there going like wait is hawkman even in rebirth or new 52 like i know the hawks were in earth 2 in the earth 2 timeline that they were doing pre-rebirth and that was it and i I think it was just hawk girl and i think at that point she was being called hawk woman too so i was like okay so it's shaira but carter's gone reasons or something i don't know but I'm sitting here going, I don't think there's any of the hawks in the Justice League,
2: and and to me that just doesn't work, you know. And and I think Marvel is on their fourth event of the year, like something like that. We're on. We've had we've had another Secret War. We've had another Civil War. We've had uh uh the Monsters Unleashed, which was the most (laughs) pointless fucking thing ever. And now we're going into this Secret Empire thing where like Captain America is like a triple Nazi. Like, we've got, like, these event comics for the sake of event comics are even worse than canceling good books, because then it just drives sales the wrong direction, and then we encourage them to make bad stuff. Right. So... it's it's the reason the uh, the original question was about teams it's it's all of the worst things being highlighted just out of just like a, a creative deficit
0: <laughs> yeah I, the thing i can't get over is not the current volume of uh, spider woman but the volume that was immediately prior to, or immediately prior to secret wars 2 uh, it's spun out of uh, Spider Spider Verse or whatever. So the first three issues, the first three issues of that, are entirely tied into an event that I had no context reading. It's just like, all right,
2: I guess this is how you want me to start, <laughs> dude. If if you want to read a fun fun Spider Man book, because I don't, I'm I'm personally not big on Dan Slot Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spider Man Deadpool run is probably the only time as an adult I've reread comics and laughed out loud again like nice. it's always that rare little moment when you're reading a comic and you laugh out loud to yourself and you're like i'm a crazy person like especially <laughs> if you're in public uh i reread and they're I find new jokes in them. Spider-Man Deadpool is so funny that you'll actually make a fool of yourself in public. They're such good books. (laughs) And it's the original or one of the original Deadpool writers, Scott Kelly, who kind of like reinterpreted Deadpool. And it's Ed McGinnis. And Ed McGinnis is, I think, a DC guy as well. So you guys know his art. Um, McGinnis does like beautiful blocky styling. And it's... At one point in the fourth issue, Spider-Man and Deadpool have to devolve into dirty dancing. And there's a, the dirty dancing hole featuring Spider-Man and Deadpool. And Deadpool's wearing Spider-Man boxers. Like, you're not ready for the world that is about to happen at you when you read that book. Uh, so I'd recommend that to any of the listeners that want to try a little bit of Marvel. If they don't want to be intimidated by 70 years of continuity, Spider-Man Deadpool is literally, you can pick it up, read it, and you get a taste for both of these. I'd argue those are the two biggest characters of Marvel right now. So it's a really good book if you want to know what Marvel feels like without having to learn 70 years of bullshit.
0: I've always never thought that uh, Deadpool was that big of a character. But, I mean, he's had three spinoff series for entirely nobody characters. And he's got all of his other stuff himself.
2: He's got five books right now. He's also, in the comics, there's a literal joke that, uh, it's not even a joke, it's canon, Deadpool is running the Avengers because of the amount of merch that is selling in the real world. He's richer than Tony Stark. So they made a (laughs) meta joke about the amount of stuff people buy of Deadpool, tied it into continuity, and Deadpool is funding the Avengers with Deadpool merch. So Deadpool is the new Logan. Oh, 100%. He's new Logan in spades, and he knows it, which makes it a fun read because you're talking to a character talking to you about talking about him. All right,
0: <laughs> I I'll need to read Spider Man Deadpool because I've I've never clicked a ton with any comic versions of Deadpool until I read Deadpool V Gambit. The V stands for Versus.
2: Dude, that run so good. It's special. I I and I'm really glad. Like I hate the Marvel versus DC divide. We're not Bloods and Crips. Mm-hmm. There is no bad blood. Yeah. this should end uh the the thing I'm trying to build with my career what I'm trying to shape all of this up to is is bringing that together and having comic fans be able to we've done more in the last 10 years for comic kind than anyone ever expected us to do like the biggest movies in the world are literally the movies we create by us for us about us there's no reason that we should at this point still be like the other side of the fence like we're not fucking politicians we don't need to have a county line. So like I literally am gonna after this conversation, look up comics of Aquaman and Jeff Johns and read them because that symbol at the top of my comic shouldn't keep me away from it. Right. So like if, if right. on these podcasts we can get people to listen to the other side of the fence and eventually be like, Oh, you like comics? There shouldn't be a fucking caveat there. So ending that weird like misnomer has to I'm glad you guys are curious about Marvel and I'm certainly curious about DC now.
1: Yeah, I mean if you're if you're looking for good dc stories that you don't need to know everybody in because they kind of don't doesn't really matter um the one i always suggest is one that continually makes me cry every time i read it and it's identity crisis
2: i have it i love it i own it that's that's... that and hush are the two probably most Mm -hmm. recent books that i bought the entire run of and like yeah identity
1: crisis is is heavy it'll break you yeah, and it's, it's got such great versions of all those characters. I mean, you've got Green Arrow narrating it, so it's, it's a different perspective than you normally get. I like how he, he compares Kyle and Wally to Hal and Barry. It's a very well-written comic that shows you kind of what DC is like. And it's um, a
2: world-building book without relying on the past, which is what right. we took to wrap this all into one pretty bow. Yes. As we were saying with the movies... You shouldn't have to rely on the last thing for the next thing. Movies can be serialized without being dependent on the last thing. Exactly. Comics shouldn't have to rely on seven years of continuity because there's no way. You've had 82 writers in that book. Don't rely on a thing. Make it all work. I mean, within reason. Yeah. And I thought I did, Crisis did an amazing job of that because I don't read a lot of DC, but I was still, like, super invested in characters I didn't know shit about.
1: Right, like Captain Boomerang or The Elongated Man. And you're like, oh, my God, why do I care so much about Tim Drake's dad suddenly? you know right
2: this guy i don't know but his dad like yeah. it, it's so <laughs> fascinating like a good book can change you and and that's what i think like these if we can use our powers for good, we should get people on these gateway books so they can decide where they want to read and what they want to do next. Yeah. Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man I thought was the best book for that of all time.
0: Mm-hmm. It was amazingly good at that. It was I, I came in with like no exposure. I literally gave my dad my access access to my Marvel Unlimited subscription because he wanted to go back and read all that stuff. Because we were both oh, reading it when dude. I was getting into it. Yeah. That, that's my Bendis is yeah. that teen just banter and it was perfect for that age um i'm dude i'm super
2: curious about this aquaman now
1: yeah um (laughs) i would i would say new 52 aquaman um i really liked batman earth one which was jeff johns writing batman and how alfred oh it's so good because like alfred um has like a limp because he was in uh, him and thomas were in the war together and thomas was a medic to go with like Thomas Thomas Wayne being a doctor. So nice. he he owes Thomas Wayne for saving his life in the war, so he's got this cane and a limp, but he has no real like sense of loyalty to Bruce. So when he finds out about all the Batman stuff and he starts like patching him up, he's like you're an idiot and you're being stupid. You need to figure out how to do this because like he teaches Bruce how to be like kind of militant about everything and like gives him like perspective and stuff. It's really kind of an interesting version of Batman where you see Bruce as Batman being a petty team.
2: Sounds like Johns is your bendis.
1: Yeah, Johns is Johns is one of my favorite writers because I mean, like when he re, when he revamped Green Lantern in re, in, uh, in Green Lantern Rebirth in two thousand four, he treated every single one of the Green Lanterns appropriately with reverence. He didn't make Hal look better than John or Guy or Kyle. Mm-hmm. But when he had Hal come back, he had him beat the shit out of Sinestro for treating Kyle poorly.
2: Uh, see, that's yeah. I want someone that respects all my like. Like, I'm the one guy who will publicly admit to being a Ben Riley fan. Yeah. Um, so I'm that guy. I want Ben Riley respected as much as Peter Parker. Right. Because, like, it's a different Spider-Man. And that's the thing that no other, a lot of writers don't seem to get. Like, if you like a character, you shouldn't trivialize anyone's Spider-Man, anyone's Batman, anyone's Green Lantern. Uh, and that's why I thought Nightwing was so cool, because it felt like yeah. the first Robin that, like, superseded Robin.
1: That's what I love about, mm-hmm. about Dick Grayson is he's he's Bruce, but without the problems.
2: And he's also not – like, yeah, exactly. He's not Batman. Mm -hmm. It would have been so much easier to go the Azrael route or to go some cheesy, like, a pseudo-Batman or, like, Batman or Bat Family. But, like, Nightwing is his own guy. And, like, that's why I liked um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's portrayal in Dark Knight Rises because that felt like Nightwing, not like Robin. Um, That cheesy line notwithstanding. (laughs) Um, But, like, you know what I mean? Like, we got a a piece of Nightwing, and that's probably the closest we'll get in the Nolanverse-type film. Yeah. uh and and dc's really good at world building they're really like the bat family is arguably one of the strongest teams and it's never a team it's a family mm-hmm. like the fast and the furious yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh,
1: yeah no i mean i agree i think the the best example also of world building is how they treat the green lantern core
2: I think the moral of the story for my epiphanies on this podcast has been that the only direction fast and furious can go for part 10 is either joining the green lantern Corps or the bat family for escalation. Cause it's I, already I, an Avengers movie
1: or Aquaman replacing the rock. I
0: mean, I'm just yes. saying saints row did this. <laughs>
2: yeah, did. I mean, I'm not saying that like Gal Gadot left the franchise. to be wonder woman. So it is canon. If she comes back as fucking wonder woman, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. That, that could be All a right. thing. Oh, God. I want that now to happen. I want Dominic <laughs> Toretto to just roll up in the middle of, of Justice League looking at the Batmobile and just like nodding. Like, he's like, Yeah, let's yeah. race. And Bruce <laughs> is like, Shut up. And,
2: and <laughs> Tokyo think, Drift. Make $8 billion. <laughs> not combine one franchise. Combine three franchises. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> done. I've, no, I, we've, done it. we've done it. I'm we've done it. We've made Weird History's Greatest Monsters uh, The uh... Bat and the Furious. Oh, my God. That's it. The Bat and the Furious.
2: Dude, the Bat and the furious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so uh, why don't you um, plug yourself one more time, uh, and we'll we'll walk it out.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, you can find me at Coyjandro, C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting Marvel Movie News Tuesdays at 2.30. You can find me fighting movies on Screen Junkies, doing all sorts of Screen Junkies stuff, and uh, more stuff in the future, hopefully bigger, broader, and uncut. Um but I love talking people on Twitter so hunt me down and this was fucking rad.
0: Awesome. <laughs> it was fucking fun on our end too. Yeah. God that movie pitch. we'll, like... have, to, we'll have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Someone we'll read that. This out. every couple heck months. I love
2: that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to do this every
1: couple of months where like you read some DC comics and then you come to us with questions. Yeah man, I'm I'm gonna start with that Aquaman book. Yeah, I I would love I would love to talk Aquaman more. I would love every episode of this podcast to just be about Aquaman, but Matt won't let me.
2: <laughs> I like the idea of you just going around like your grassroots campaign is getting one person to Aquaman. Like you just go on this pilgrimage of like another. <laughs> is it just, with a like... conch
1: shell? Like every time someone says, "Okay, I'll do it," I just blow the conch shell <laughs> really loudly.
2: You know that that's, uh, you guys, Did you guys see Hacksaw Ridge?
1: Ah uh, no, I haven't yet. No.
2: So you're Andrew Garfield, you're like, just one more. And yeah. you're like getting another Aquaman thing.
1: And meanwhile, everyone at DC's like, why is this selling so well?
2: We've sold seventeen copies of Aquaman this week. That is fifteen higher than normal. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> should we should we care? <laughs> should we call someone? Nah, cancel the book. Yeah, fucking put Rob
1: Liefeld on it, and then cancel it. Oh, <laughs> Well, yes, we will definitely have to have you come back on again. And uh, thank you so much for agreeing for to do this on a weekend and everything.
2: Yeah, man, this is fun. I'm glad the schedule finally worked out. Now, if you guys read me those books, I recommend let me know what you guys thought of the most. Yes, Marvel definitely.
1: Set. Absolutely. All right. Well,
0: thank you. And that's going to do it for us. Excellent.
2: Awesome. Pleasure, guys.
0: DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay
1: in the know, check out our Facebook page, our Twitter, our Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com. McCoy was a real kindred spirit. After swapping stories of Case's past, we exchanged cards and made sure that he knew to call us should he ever be curious about working our side of the street. His vast knowledge of the industry and characters galore showed us that we weren't the only ones out there fighting the good fight, and that Marvel was in good hands with someone like him on the job. As for Matt and I, well, it was back to our old grind, and the next
0: Case.